Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on, everybody? Today we have the wonderful <laughs> Jimmy Wong in the house, kind of. On Skype. Whoa, 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 what's going on over Skype, guys? That was cool. I want to do that, Ben. I want to do that every time now. We that was both, sick. We both well, got sweet now, turntables here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy how we, today's DJ day. Uh, so <laughs> Jimmy's here. So that you know what that means, guys, on the internet. We are doing a top 10 countdown. Today we are doing white cards. Hooray. For those coming back, we've done red artifacts and blue cards so far. So you mean really, really good cards, really awesome cards, and then two colors that just have sideboard cards and like two good cards. Well, lightning bolt is a thing. <laughs> um, and Shots fired. Whoa. Shots. Color. Against my favorite color, color too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Actually, the red, the red episode was pretty good, I think. Yeah, there's yeah. some really good red cards. Yeah, yeah, and some pretty good. Pretty sweet. In fact, I would say like blue has worse cards than red cards in this format. Yeah, but blue is just a better color. <laughs> Fine. <That's> true. <laughs> you know, I don't think that. anyone could disagree with that. Nope. No, that's they for can't. sure. Or they'd be wrong to do yeah. so. Yeah. I still think the best deck in modern is Splinter Twin. So, yeah. I mean, it's the combination of the two colors we're talking about. So, yeah. It's like we're a sweet team in our opinions just now. Yeah. So, <laughs> before we get into that, I do want to remind everyone that we will respond to you if you tweet at us while you're listening to us. So, you should tweet at us right now. Just do it. Just like go on at Twitter. We us. are. We are at the MM cast, so tweet now. Go, go, yeah, go, 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 and then it. come back. Go, go. <laughs> uh, also, rate us on iTunes. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Um, That's right. You guys are doing videos now. You yeah. Guys have, have, uh, it's awesome. So all of your stuff is now uh, slowly getting put up uh, video by video, which is great. Yes. Yeah. It, some of it's really dated because it's like from three months ago, but like because there's a backlog, we're throwing it up there. So just go check that out. And um, these top ten lists are forever. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they never change, especially never. when cards get banned. <laughs> they never change until things like treasure cruise get printed and then banned before we do blue. I think so. we did do top ten green cards. Did we do? No, no, no not no, yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, we did not artifacts, yet. and yeah. that's how far they caught snuck to the top. Yeah. And that's no longer a card that's legal. Looks so. like Spellskite should have been number one all along. <laughs> uh, oh boy, nice. Uh, <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just, wait, there was a thing. Oh, okay. Before we get into the actual top ten list, I do want to bring up that I shot called that the Bounce Lands are going to be in Modern Masters 2015. Nice. Spoilers are going on. So you, you guys should check it out. a lot of this set, Alex. I am very impressed Thank always you. by your shot. Though I was just blatantly wrong about Infect. Right. Well, you know, they said that they were trying to put Infect in the set, and then they just found it didn't fit with the limited format, so mm. they just took it out. Yeah. So Fair you enough. were almost right. Right. And there are some Wither cards. That's like the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and also, I guess we will be at the GP Vegas, so yeah. you guys should come say hi us there yes. too. We'll be super excited. We'll be wearing like these big, obnoxious yellow ten-gallon hats that say MM on them. We we <laughs> <laughs> we probably won't be doing that. I already ordered mine. <laughs> ben will probably be in a suit though, so look for the guy in a suit and a ten-gallon hat. I thought this was a nice. meeting we had, guys. Did did I was uh, did I dream that? Maybe I dreamed it. I think you dropped it. I think that I don't you think I don't think I'm ever wearing a ten-gallon hat. All right, <laughs> so. <laughs> Top 10 list. So how are we going to do this? We're going to count down top 10, 10 to 1. Me and Ben each have our own picks for a top 10, and Jimmy has what the command cast did, because he has his own commander podcast, and they're going to mm -hmm. list what their 10 what cards were as well. So you get all of the goodness of what yeah. white cards are the best. Do you want to start with our honorable mentions or save until the end? I want to do honorable mentions before we do the first one, but after we do the second best. 
Okay. So like right before we do first best, we like do like a cliffhanger oh, right. moment oh, and do honorable okay. mentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. It's like on TV shows when they're doing top tens. So they're like, why don't I just get to number one? You're like, but first, let's look back at what almost made the list. Yep, exactly. Alex We're doing like, that. Alex and... is like that McMahon guy that runs the wrestling empire. Right. In fact, Jimmy, if you can do that voice right before. <laughs> oh, no, you got mentions. it. I'll be All right. there. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So number 10. Let's start with Jimmy. Let's start with the uh, the commander. The commander ones. That? All right, yeah, let's do so that. So it was a uh, it was a mix between uh, Josh chose Blind Obedience for number oh, that's, ten, that's a good card. which uh, which I think might make it into the modern. Who knows? Um, okay. Yeah, it has extort on it, but also importantly, artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah. So this straight up would destroy a Kikijiki. Well, a it's weird because they can do it. In response to the end step happening, so they'll come into play tapped on their turn, but they don't have to oh, sack right. it, and then they can just it, it delays them for a turn. They can't win on their turn; they have to wait till after your turn to kind of pull it off. Right. So it does right. give you a chance to like respond, and if that's what you're all about, it definitely helps there. Ah, okay, yeah. And my number ten was Mentor of the Meek. Oh, I love that card. Love that card. Yeah, it's great for EDH specifically because you usually have to build around this, and white is just the color to have creatures with the powers two or less. So well, that's nice. it's also like the best, and I, I think Wizards. I don't know which. I think it may have been on uh, Drive to Work. Mark Rosa talked about this. It's the best uh-huh. white card uh, card advantage engine ever printed. And normally they don't like white having card advantage, but because this is attached to creatures, it kind of like got through and there was like some regrets about it but i think it's an awesome card it's a yeah it's definitely a really really interesting card i, I think one of the things brewing with mentor of the meek it's the the problem is that it costs three and we've always talked about in modern things that cost three are like very very difficult to play as an engine yeah yeah for a modern yeah. engine it's not it, it's 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 i would say it's like on the border of yeah. playable it's like it's French. definitely playable yeah yeah well because if you played this in a deck that played like say a bunch of token makers and birds and things like that where you really wanted to get value out of them late in the game Powering mm-hmm. this guy out on turn two with like a mana creature on one, so then all your subsequent draws of those things turn into I can draw a card off this yep. guy. Uh, seems pretty sweet, but yeah, like a, like sweet. a one or two of in a white weenie, I can imagine yeah. just being a thing because they need to draw some cards. All right, yep. So the modern the modern top ten. My personal one was Gideon. Oh, the Planeswalker. Not even in my... OG Gideon. Gideon. <laughs> oh, he costs nice. five, Alex. He costs five. Yeah, but he doesn't. He like passes the Splinter Twin test because you can just plus him and they you can't die. Well, you plus him and then they just kill him. Yeah, but that buys you a turn where then you. I mean, it does the same thing that we were just Sweet talking about. The other thing, fun, but it also bro. is like does like ten other things, like attacks them. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's, like... it's not like that's all he does. He just fogs for a turn. It's if he has to, he fogs for the turn. But he also kills their tapped creature. He's a removal spell plus a threat. He's great in control. Like here would be my here would be my feeling. If you were like, okay, uh, here's my deck, and I'm playing Gideon. I don't care what modern deck I'm playing. You're like Gideon's my deck. I'm like cool story, bro. I'm gonna win on turn four. Like, that's... well, but no, there are threats. Like if you're playing the control decks, like they play that god, the the lightning god or whatever, and blue he, red one, yeah, yeah blue red one. No, yeah. Gideon is a sideboard card, but he's he's also like a great control threat. Yeah, people he, love Gideon. I just never could get into him. He's a, he's a very, very powerful card. Like, I'm not disputing that at all, just for modern. Doesn't. It sounds like you're disputing it. He's one of the top ten white cards in modern. So this and the like, internet agrees. Tweet he does come down it. with six loyalty, and he pluses two, and he also his ultimate is not an ultimate. So there are a lot of things about him that are, I guess, at first look a little different and a little off. You kind of have to spend some time thinking about the card. I mean, like, card. look at it this way. He's decent against affinity. Or, sorry, he's decent against all aggro decks. He's decent against Splitter Twin, and he's decent mm-hmm. against... 
most mid-range decks because it can just shoot and kill a rhino when he comes into play or survive a rhino attack. No, he's a powerful card. This is how this podcast is going to work. Alex is going to lay out a card that's totally reasonable. I'm going to dispute it. And then I'm going to name my card and you guys are just going to like fall over laughing. My number 10 modern card is Weathered Wayfarer. Ah. Uh, <laughs> far, far more powerful than Gideon. No, Weathered Wayfarer uh, is, is very, very good. It was on my like list of white cards that exist in modern. It's funny because when, 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 when we did the 8th edition review, I actually had this as like one of my top 10 cards to talk about okay and i think i talked about it at length then but i'll say it again cards that search for generic land are very very rare so this being a one one for one like it's a one mana card that if you navigate the board state correctly you have access to any land in modern is that's that's a very powerful effect so Mm -hmm. so i would actually if i were making my own commander top 10 list he would probably be pretty high for me in the commander top 10 list. I think the issue with modern and weather wayfair is that the lands are actually like the utility lands aren't that good. Yeah, it's true. Like the, like maybe the best you're getting, I guess is like one of the spell lands, like um, one of the like, Anistrad activated ability lands. Or you're getting Horizon Canopy and you're just like drawing a card. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, you must be getting stuff like Celestial Colonnade, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely things it can do. I just don't think it's, stronger than just playing four celestial colonnades it's way sweeter in commander because you have multiple opponents that could have more lands than you the other thing that's sweet about weather wayfair is and this would this would used to show up in soul sisters x like that was, right. that was the list that would show oh, up it in. definitely sees play in modern if you build it in like a white weenie deck that has say spell lands or like horizon canopies and things like that you, they will have more lands than you you'll stall out on like four lands yeah, yeah. Only play like right. 22. well and, especially if you're playing stuff like ghost quarter where you're actively lowering your land count yeah exactly that's why and that's the other deck that it would show up in is it would show up in the, the hate bears deck yeah yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the you can't search unless you pay two card and mind sensor because like it was sweet you get ghost quarter and you just go, <laughs> go bonkers no this card is not this isn't as ridiculous as your lead up after gideon made it i thought it was gonna be like loam lion <laughs> One, like, like idyllic tutor or something yeah, like that like... which was like on my on my thoughts i was like there's no way i can defend this all right let's let's keep moving all right jimmy. number nine jimmy number nine coming in for edh whiz uh for me uh elspeth sun's champion that's the six drop one correct yeah, yeah she yeah. is the one that pops out three one one tokens uh i think just in general, this is the best Planeswalker, I think, that can defend herself with what, with her plus. Because um, a lot of the other Elspeth are just like, pop one guy out. Um, and also her board wipe ability is so relevant in EDH that it is incredibly powerful. Oh, yeah. I mean, in EDH, she's an all-star. Because the main difference is six mana doesn't matter in EDH. Like, you're, yeah, exactly. you're, you're the you're mana curve isn't as important in that format. It is pretty impressive that her plus one is to get three creatures. She's very yeah. She's it's very, three it's creatures. I she's mean, like a, we've seen like, it in standard. It just takes over the game. If oh you yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. I think it, um, I think the fact that it's just like a, a, a little too slow, but I think it's definitely on the cusp of modern playable. I like that in yeah. standard right now. Like the there's like a significant shift between Elspeth being your sweetest threat to like a bunch of sweet dragons being yeah. your sweetest threats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Standard like with the addition of dragons is so cool. I, mm-hmm. I don't even like standard. I've been paying like attention and listening to the Flores and Shaven podcast and watching coverage just because like Ojitai is a sweet card. Yeah, Dromok is a sweet card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally. I'm on board. I like it. Yeah, and uh, Josh's number nine, uh, which will pop up later on my list, is Sarah Ascendant. Okay, that was uh, that, that's that mean, on. I mean, sorry, you go. I mean, it's automatically turned on in EDH if you play it before. I mean, most times in turns one through like five, you know. So it's just one of those cards that. Is always on. You don't need to. You don't need to like worry about gaining life. It, it was built before EDH was invented, kind of. You know. So it's right, just, right. Like, 
Or it, it was definitely designed not designed with EDH in mind. Designed not with EDH in mind. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. They, they kind of have fixed the templating with newer cards that use that kind of mechanic to, like, make it work within EDH. So, like, yeah, exactly. Blood Baron of Viscopa, like, right, right, made it right. so, like, there were more hoops to jump through. I, I mean, that Sarah Sendit, Sarah Sendit? Yeah. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Sendit sees play in Modern. It, I mean, like, the Soul Sisters deck run four of them because... Yeah. Once you get to that life threshold, they become increasingly dangerous threats. Well, th- so I've always said in modern, like one of the things that's really interesting to think about is like how can you be getting four or more damage across the board on turn two, and like how 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 are like what are ways you can do that? And I believe with uh, martyr, uh, can you do it? Can you yeah, play turn, him on turn. I think one? you can turn one. And no. martyr costs one to activate or two to activate. One two to activate. activate. So you can actually you can gain a bunch of life and swing with ascendant on turn two, right? I think so. I mean the the better play in that deck is normally involving. Um, the Aether Vial, I mm-hmm. think, gets the... Like, it's not turn two, I guess. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's no, definitely it's, hard to do it. Yeah, yeah, and Martyr, you play that. You play your Saracen on turn one, then you play Martyr and Sacken on turn two, you gain a whole bunch of life because you get three times that much. So actually, it's very easy to do. And then you swing for six on turn two. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like... So that's like, you look at... I mean, my version of that was playing Jace's Phantasm on turn one and then Glimpse the Unthinkable on your opponent <laughs> on turn two for a five-five flyer. Which is much worse. But, yeah, because uh, <laughs> instead of you keeping yourself alive for longer, your opponent just keep, keeps doing its thing. <laughs> instead of getting a 6-6 six, six lifelink and uh, just having a sweet creature, you're milling 10 cards and yep. not affecting their life total at all, gaining any life, or yep. having a 6-6. Six, six. Seems <laughs> weird. Uh, my So moving on to the, the, the top 10 list, my number 9 is Daybreak Coronet. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is now seeing a reprint. Yes. And so now it's easy to get your hands on. It was the most expensive card out of the Boggles, Boggles deck. deck, not the Noggles deck. Yeah. It just made no sense. It was just because it was in that set. And my gosh, for an enchantment aura, it was 30 bucks. No thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's white, white. Uh, it gives a creature plus three, plus three, lifelink, uh, vigilance, and one other thing. Uh, lifelink, vigilance, plus three, plus three. I've got it right here. I'll read it. Daybreak, Cornet is two it's white white for an enchantment or enchant creature with another aura attached to it so the stipulation is a little difficult enchanted creature has plus three plus three has first strike vigilance and lifelink right okay so first strike Ooh, silly that's pretty nice yeah it basically changes one of your hexproof creatures that you already have really good auras on into an indestructible super threat that just you just yeah like with with totem armor plus this makes it like you build your own bane slayer that's almost better and you just lose very quickly (laughs) i've said it once build your own bane slayer (laughs) i have like a huge soft spot for for future sight just like that block in general i I just remember very fondly and i just i remember being at the pre-release for the set and opening packs and there was just it's such a it was such a cool design choice to make it such weird cards yeah like this card like i just remember opening it and just being like what that seems so difficult to do. And then now years later in Modern, so many of the cards from Future Sight are like really, really right. because like cards. A lot of them have these like open stipulations of they're not great now, but eventually we're going to print cards because they're so weird that I'll probably interact with them in weird ways we didn't expect. And now they're great. The day that Steam Flogger Boss is in a modern day. Oh, yeah. That would well, be then... the happiest day of my life. <laughs> All right. So what's your number nine? My then? number nine is Elish Norn, Grand Cenobiate. Okay. Uh, okay. Which is going to be seeing an MM15 reprint. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the, Mac, the, yeah. the super target out of gift decks. Yeah. It's just... The interesting thing about Elish Norn to me, I mean, aside from it just being like a, a big body with awesome effects, is that static abilities like that that stay on the table and, and keep like your what? opponents... What does Elish Norn do? Uh, I'll read it. <laughs> Elish Norn. Uh, she's a house. How about that? Yeah, okay. She's incredible. Is she a brick house? She's a brick house. 
A seven uh, mana brick house. White, white, five for a legendary creature, Praetor. She has a four, seven vigilance. Uh, vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. So there's a couple Oof. reasons that this card is super, super sweet. Uh, number one, obviously, is that you can give some given for an Unburial Rites and Elish Norn and fail to find the other two. And these go in your graveyard. And the next turn, you just get Elish Norn and just usually win the game. But the reason that I think Elish Norn is so interesting is because effects that keep your opponent's creatures at like a minus two, minus two, I think, they're, just, they're super rare. Yeah. We've talked about this in, in the Silly Hunted Handsome like revamps we've tried with like uh, Illness in the Ranks or right, other right. cards like that. It's They're very hard effects to find. So the fact that you can land Elish Norn and, you know, effectively just nerf your opponents from ever playing creatures that are going to matter is that's really hard for some decks to deal with. I mean, you right. can path her, but if you don't have a, like a path and you're a creature deck... You're just wrecked. Yeah. I mean, the, the point is she comes down and she's kind of a board wipe that also is a threat that also locks people out of the game, and that's a really, really powerful ability. Like, I think right now her biggest limitation for being even stronger than she normally would is that Tarmogoyf and Rhino together kind of make it so there's, like, one deck out there that has just very resilient threats to what she's trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's also funny that right. like, if you resolve her against the Splinter Twin list that's not playing Cryptic, they just can't get rid of her. Oh, yeah. They just have no way of getting out there. <laughs> they can combo and attack you with a bunch of, like, O2s. Yep. yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why the Splinter Twin list is so resilient is because all those creatures by themselves are still pretty darn good. Yeah. True. Um, but then they're just nerfed entirely by... <laughs> Elish Norn. So One really, Elish Norn, yeah. I feel like a lot of our followers would agree, people should be playing more Elish Norn. Uh, I agree. Oh, I heard an interesting rules interaction, by the way. If you have a 4-4 four, four out and your opponent has an Elish Norn, your 4-4 four, four is a 2-2. Two, two. And if your opponent plays another Elish Norn before the legend roll uh, is going to wipe one of them off the board, the negative two, negative two thing will still apply and your creature will die. Uh, state-based actions. Interesting. Yep. They Very do. Interesting. We should do an entire episode actually on state-based actions. We should have a judge here because I don't even think I can do the complicated <laughs> rules that is state-based actions is a good, a good, a good outing. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, all right. So now, number eight. Number eight. Number eight for Josh was, you 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 bet it, you knew it, Elish Norn Grand Cenobite. Okay. Uh, and number eight for me is, I believe, not very legal in your format. It is called Lantax. Yes. <laughs> Lantax is great and not legal. There is yeah. a eighth edition card that does mini planes Lantax for two mana. Yeah, yeah. What's oh, interesting. It I don't even know what it's called. Oh, I... It's like Tithe, but for two mana. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Um, uh, sacred... Something. Gift or something mm, like that? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, land tax should... is a little uh, restrictive because you have to get basic lands. And it's a, if your opponent has more lands than you in your upkeep, then you get to find three basic lands, put them in your hand. Three lands. Right. It basically draws you three cards. Because if you're yeah. playing it, you're playing a deck that can take advantage of it every turn if you let it. Yeah, uh, and that's I significantly love land tax. Land tax is deck. the best. Yeah. Um, uh, we should spend another 10 minutes talking about actually Josh's pick of Elishnorn because we haven't talked about that. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely go deep on Elish Norn. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, the my my top number eight was Aven Mind Sensor. Uh, for those oh, who don't nice. know, it is a two-one bird soldier. I think it's a soldier. It is uh, a flyer. It has flash, and it's a wizard. Actually, is a wizard. Oh right, it's a you're wizard, right, Harry. Touche. I've actually called wizards off of a cavern of souls for to play that. Back to what we're talking about, and its special <laughs> ability is. 
players can, if they were to search their library, can actually only search the top four cards of their library. So it really, like, it kind of hoses fetch lands, um, but in kind of a fair way, and it, like, yep. is also a evasive threat that's really good, and it has flash, so you can, like, get people so they'll, like, fetch, and then you can kind of stop them from fetching, and they'll be like, oh, I just sacrificed the land, stone rain at instant speed, blah, 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 blah. So that's only number right. eight for you. Yeah, it's only number eight. Interesting. It's higher, um, it's higher on my list. That's fine. I mean, it, it definitely actually moved around, and it was probably the most, yeah. like, jockeying per, per position. Eventually sure. landed at eight. Um, I mean, you This know, is a card that probably should have made it onto either of our lists, but I think it was just a uh, a an honorable mention for us. Has this so been good, confirmed though. yet for Masters of Modern? Or Modern Masters? Uh, you you <laughs> mean podcast? Con- yeah, yeah, it's definitely confirmed on Masters of Modern right now. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Okay. It, it could definitely be in there, I think, but something tells me it's not going to be, I think. Really, this is my. This was one of my big picks for the set, because like, it hasn't been reprinted, and it's uh-huh. future-shifted, and they like printing the future-shifted card in Ma- Modern master sets in like Sweet, regular border, and it's also like... One of those fifteen dollars uncommons that doesn't make sense to be like. Is this card fifteen dollars? Yeah, didn't realize that the foil is like forty. So yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this card. We will get to my pick of it later, but I'm right. going to respond with Oriak Champion. Yeah. So Oriak Champion is a weird one because Oriak uh, Champion is a one-one. I'm just going to read it out loud. Um, I don't even know how to spell Oriak. Oriak Champion. Because uh, it's go. a made-up fake word. White. Fake <laughs> it's white-white for a 1-1 one, one human cleric, protection from black, and protection from red. Whenever another creature comes into play, you may gain one life. So, this card exists in Soul Sisters decks. Yep. And it's really interesting because having pro-black and pro-red makes it super resilient as a blocker. And also... Hard to kill. Hard to kill. And the life gain thing that can happen with this card when they can't get it off the table is so interesting. You can gain like 10, 11, 12 life in a game sometimes right. off of one of these cards... Especially if you throw it in a deck, if, if you throw it with any kind of equipment in some decks, right. you just start swinging in. I mean, it's a really interesting and, and like subversively powerful card that people don't realize they should be playing. But any person that plays either Tokens or Soul Sisters, after tournaments, I remember like asking guys, can I see your list? And they go, oh, yeah, this card. This has been the best card in my deck all day. Right. It's like a really powerful card. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. we've always talked. Being able to fight Lightning Bolts is just inherently an important ability in the format. Yeah. And then... Yeah. The fact that you just get a lot of advantage from it, and if your deck is specially built to kind of take advantage of it, makes sense why it's one of the more powerful cards in the format. Yeah, I just it doesn't see enough play. I don't think. Oh, it definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, number seven. Jimbo. Number seven coming in. It's Sarah Ascendant for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, for Josh, it would be Enlightened Tutor, which is the one drop tutor that lets you look for an artifact or enchantment and put it on top of your library. If Enlightened Tutor was legal in modern, I would just it would just be the happiest day of my life. Oh yeah, Enlightened Tutor. I literally am playing a legacy deck that the entire plan is just Enlightened Tutor for things, and yeah. the, I think it has six different ways to kill a person, and you just have to Enlightened Tutor for them and hopefully get them. It's definitely pretty high on my list of favorite cards. Yeah. it's a card that in in years past building. Uh, Casual decks and Highlander decks, I put it in every deck. It's like one of those cards that I just think about splashing white for in every deck in Highlander because <laughs> it just should go in every deck. Right. But you only it get is in one. pretty powerful, yeah. Um, so, my number seven is Ranger of Eos. Mm. Oh, gosh. This card is so good. I've wanted to play this in EDH for the longest time. I just, I just, it's just hard. <laughs> right, right. It, I mean, it, for those who don't know, it's a 3-2 for four, uh, three colors and a white. Uh, you search for two one-drops from your deck and you can put them in your hand. It generally has seen a lot of play historically in pod decks and soul sister decks. So those are the two main decks it sees a lot of play in um, because pod has a bunch of just random tutor targets that are important. And 
especially Viscerous Ear, was kind of its main target yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still sees play in the new Collective Company decks um, for the same reason, because getting Viscerous Ear is really good. And it sees play in Soul Sisters because every card that you have that's a threat is a one-drop. They I, have like, I think Soul Sisters has like 12, 16 one-drops in the deck. I would say oh, that wow. uh, four mana three-for-ones in Modern are rare, <laughs> unless you just get lucky. Yeah. Unless yeah, yeah, you yeah. get lucky off of like a Supreme <laughs> Verdict, like... Getting just like a three for one off of four mana is like pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty good, and it's a threat. It starts hitting them for three damage every turn, and if they can't handle it, it's yeah. pretty decent. I love this card. Plus, it's like if you bounce it with angels, yeah, it does a lot of cool yeah. things. What it does did... it search out? Does it get like Isamaru and stuff, or is it going for aggro? What's what's the uh, plan? In what in which in Soul Sisters, the plan is to get a to... combination of Modern Sands, uh, Sarah Ascendant, uh, um, okay. any of the Soul Sisters themselves, yeah. so Soul Attendant. Um, Soul Warden. And then in Pod, it generally was used to get a Viscera Seer. So Viscera Seer is a, the, the one black vampire that can sack a creature and you scry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you were podding, it was kind of the top end of getting to the, the, your sack outlet. Cause it's hard to kind of get to a pod target that's less than one mana cost. Right. So it lets you kind of get it and just win with it. Um, and then it does a lot of other cute things like gets you some of your one of targets and other interesting things in that deck. One of my nice. favorite uses that I've ever seen of this card was a fringe Foro list from a while back that played uh, Vexing Devil. It was like a Boros Aggro oh, list. Oh, yeah, I've seen these. And late like late in the game, you'd play like two of these, one or two of these, so that like on turn five, you would just like play it and get two Vexing Devils. And right. And like when they're you know, low on life, they just have to take Well, in Bird decks, they have like Goblin Guide too, so like worst yeah. case scenario, if you're just like, I exactly. should get in there for two damage. And you just... Yeah. Boop, boop. Um, so that's sweet. I like the version of that deck that I like the most is, and I've I've messed around with Vexing Devil decks a lot, but the card Postmortem Lunge is like one of the yeah. It's a weird card that I never mentioned. Nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. It's a Phyrexian mana black card um, from New Phyrexia, which is Phyrexian mana black one and X, and it's uh, Raise Dead for the turn. Oh, okay. Or not Raise Dead. It's a Corpse Dance for the turn. You Got get, it. You get the creature into play with haste. But the reason that it's so sweet with Vexing Devil is you just pay two life and one, and you get a Vexing Devil with haste. So right, 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 right. I mean, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, cool. a, I'm a fan. Anyway, uh, my card next on my list is Leyline of Sanctity, the uh, white Leyline that prevents them from being able to target you. It states, white, white, and two colorless. Uh, you Sanctity. I should have. Okay, this. it's two white, two colorless. Uh, when it comes into play, you if it is in your opening hand when you start the game, you can put it into play for free and it prevents uh, player. you get hexproof. It basically. says you, it can't prevents... be, you can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Originally right. printed in M11. Uh, not reprinted since. And but I it think... will be reprinted in Modern Masters. Yep. It is confirmed. Uh, so this card's really good against burn and black decks. So yeah. it, it wrecks Liliana of the Veil. Liliana Veil. Like oh, you can both discard but yeah, she can't right. make you sack a creature anymore. Yeah. Um, and she can't use her ultimate on you. It also stops any of the discard, like Thoughtseize or any of that kind of stuff. Seedrano can't target you. Yeah, Seedrano can't target you. And last but not least, Lightning Bolt can't target you or any burn cards. Burn just, like, loses to this card. So it's, like, it's generally played in sideboard cards because it shores up those two matchups. Right. Yeah, um, it's really, really, really good against burn. Like if you're if you're building any kind of like silly shenanigans deck, like I like to build, it's probably a pretty good idea to just have four of these in the sideboard because those decks are generally pretty bad against things like burn. Like I mean, it, it does show up your matchups in both of those decks where it's burn and targeted discard hurts weird shenanigan decks that you're trying to pull off. Yeah, the original the original hunted handsome definitely played four of these in the yep. sideboard. Um, all right, interesting. So, um, all right, number six. All right, numero sixo for me and Josh both is the big mama herself, Brady H. Avison, Angel of Hope. 
Oh. Five and three white, eight total for an eight-eight legendary creature angel. Flying Vigilance, Avacyn, and all other permanents you control are indestructible. Pretty much in modern, this should read uh, eight mana. I don't do anything when I hit the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in, it's, uh, it definitely. Each, I've yeah. played against the card in play, and it's it's definitely strong, but yeah. it's definitely more mitigated towards. Commander, where you're playing a lot of mana, or reanimation is a thing, or you have a commander, so it's this inevitability that you can't really have you have to worry about. It's like pretty hilarious if you look at uh, modern Magic design. Basically, the, the designers are just like, okay, we can basically if it doesn't do anything when it hits the table, we can make things as powerful as we want. We can push the power level on things that cost seven and eight and nine mana so much because the chances right. of you actually getting to seven, eight, or nine, resolving this card, and then not having them do anything about it are so low. We don't care. Like, yeah. if this yeah, costs eight, exactly. we can just make it be the best card that you've ever seen. Whereas right. back in the day, Lord of the Pit or, like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, the, the green guy that looked like a – what the hell was he called? I have no idea. Anyway, yeah. big creatures from back in the day just, like – Right, and, and sometimes they do break, the like, the barrier, like uh, Emrakul or any of the Eldrazi or Grizzlebrand, which is the evil counterpart to Abyssin and – isn't that funny how different they are? Like one is like one is like one of the most amazing cards that's ever been printed at his mana cost, and the other is like should be pretty balanced, but just just doesn't even compare. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's definitely very good in EDH, but I mean, Grizzlebrand's banned in EDH, so I mean, the power level difference is huge. Yeah. Surprisingly. Um. All right. So my number six is Wrath of God. Really. Yeah. So. Wrath of God. So it, a lot of people. Go between Wrath of God and Supreme, um, Verdict. Supreme Verdict, but really Wrath of God is the better choice in control decks, especially because there's not a lot of decks out there that have counter magic that are trying to stop you from killing other creatures. Mm-hmm. Yes, Merfolk exists, but that's like not the main reason to be running a board wipe. And the deck, the cards that people bring specifically against you, like Thrun against control decks, are way more of a problem, and being able to destroy them because they can't regenerate is a much more valuable source of damage and card advantage that you it, need in the deck. It is like sort of funny that how few cards get printed nowadays where regeneration is an actual relevant ability. We don't really talk about it very often. Like, it's not like something... Well, so you... Wizards made a, a very... Con- so Wizards did th- two things. One, a couple years ago, they made a concerted effort to make it so regeneration mattered. And yeah. you can see that kind of happening with Zendikar when they printed Day of Judgment, which right. was Wrath of God without the regeneration clause. Mm-hmm. And they stopped printing destroy target creature they can't regenerate because it makes regenerate not matter right and it's like a stupid ability then but then over the last two years they've kind of made a concerted effort to just stop making regeneration cards because it's such a weird ability right or at least tournament playable ones it's a it's, that, it's like protection in the sense that it's the, the rule set that goes with it's very antiquated this whole it's just thing like it's explain. a lot of baggage that yeah it, it doesn't really accomplish it's like very flavorful and i do think regeneration they've talked about like the three mechanics they don't like are regeneration um, protection from anything and intimidate. Yeah. And we're going to see probably in the next couple of years a, a switch away from using those mechanics a lot, if not getting rid of some of them entirely. Protection is the most complicated of all. And it's, well, it's also... like, it's also like weird because like a red wrath effect doesn't kill it, but wrath of God kills it. But yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's so many weird count- corner cases with protection in general that it's a mechanic that's pretty difficult. It's just like. antiquated. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's your number six? Stony Silence. Uh-huh. So Stony Silence is the ultimate anti-affinity card. It's the, like, I'm going to mold to the point that I draw this if I have a bad matchup against Affinity. So this is my number five. I'm okay. just going to, since that's next anyways, yeah. we'll skip a little bit ahead. 
Stony Silence to me is the, and of all of the different, like, because White has a lot of enchantments, and we mentioned one of them with Leyline, of yeah. just like, I hate strategies. But Stony Silence to me is the closest thing to Blood Moon in White, where, like, there are multiple matchups where if you play this, they can't beat you. And Tron they basically is... game. Tron and Affinity. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, three different Tron lists, but, and Tezzerator decks, if you want to, like, stretch to Tier 3, Tier 2. If you want to act like decks that we build actually win tournaments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Stony Silence, it just comes down and against Affinity, Affinity can't beat it. Like, they're, they're, like, starting to play Tarmogorf and in Soul Artifact finally started seeing a lot of play yeah. because of how good it is against... Right. Or because it, like, helps them a little bit to fight Stony Silences. Because it's just, like, all of their cards just start being terrible. <laughs> I think it's really funny when you uh, look at cards that, like, you play a lot of limited in a format, and there's cards that you open as your rare and limited. And just like, just like uh, Exactly. And then you, you know, you're, after, you know, limited, you end up with, like, six, seven copies of some of these rares because you play so much limited. Yeah, yeah. And it's just always funny when one of them, like, this card ends up making a huge impact on a format later on. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I remember opening so many Stony Silences and just being like, trash, trash, trash. Like, <laughs> now it's a card that everybody's always looking for before tournaments. Um... So yeah, Jimmy, what is your number fives? Numero five for Jay Wong would be Oblation, which got a little worse thanks <laughs> to the tuck rule uh, that was implemented in EDH. Right. Oblation mm. is a commander-specific card. Uh, it was originally planted, printed in uh, Onslaught, I believe, uh, and it's two and a white, but they reprinted it in, in two of the commander products now, and it's an instant owner of target non-land permanent, shuffles it into his or her library, then draws two cards. Now, you can oblate your own thing to just draw two cards in white as well, uh, but for the most part, you're just getting rid of interesting permanents. Is yeah, that, like is it Planeswalkers. A Am I... No, it's not shape. It's not shape. No, okay. no, it's just an instant, yeah. Um, it's and an then, old card, I think. Oh, okay. yeah, it's there from Onslaught. There's a shapeshifter version of this in is there? white, I think. Maybe not. Interesting. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Oh, are you talking about Crib Swap? Yes. Crib Swap doesn't do this. It okay. Just exiles the creature and they get a one one. Okay, it's a one. Okay, instead of draw two cards. Fair enough. Right. Never right. mind. Ignore me. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the uh, the <laughs> other uh, Josh's number five would be Humility, which is the oh, housiest yeah. of housing uh, against them. Cool cards. Yeah. Two and two white. It's an enchantment. Each creature loses all abilities and is a one one creature. It's amazing how often this will be on the board, and we just keep playing things, thinking it's gonna something's gonna happen, and then you realize, oh wait, no, it's a one-one. Right. <laughs> the sweetest part of the humility is like I had this I had this great experience for about a year there, where I was playing a lot of Legacy, and uh, I would I had like this this Delver Baleful Strix deck that I was playing, and I remember going up against Show and Tell decks, and I got two copies of Affinity, I trade or of, of uh, Humility, I traded for it, and it was a pretty expensive card. I feel like it was like at least twenty bucks. And I remember just being so proud of myself for actually getting the copies of Humility. And, like, the satisfaction that is experienced when they show and tell Emrakul and you put, like, Humility down. Right. It's so satisfying. Right, right. It's like this stupid, outdated <laughs> four drop that you, in Legacy, you would never hard cast it. Like, I, I guess you could, but it's No, like, no, it's easy. I mean, uh, Enchantress decks play it and um, decks like uh, Miracles play it because it's just another way to, like... You can. It's a tutorable target with um, Light and Tutor, and Light and Tutor yeah. that can just house some decks. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a sweet card. For yeah, you. it's definitely cool. Um, my number five was Stony Silence, which is funny because my number five is even Mind Sensor. Oh, perfect. So but, we kind of did number five already. Yeah. So I, I didn't really talk about Mind Sensor at all, or very, very much okay. when you brought it up. And I just wanted to say really quickly that the thing I like so much about Mind Sensor is that um, there's this thing with three drops that aggressively are disruptive. So we talk about three drops are really difficult to play in modern. Like Geist, for instance, is a great card, but it's really hard to get away with in modern. Right. 
The difference between Geist and Mind Sensor is that if you power out Mind Sensor on turn two with like a mana creature, like there was a there was a when Junk first started to be the deck when they banned Bloodbraid mm-hmm. and all the pros that one it was like at one GP were playing like the version with like a Johnny Vengeon and Souls. Like right, that. right. Um, I just remember there was like Kibler and a few people were playing like four Mind Sensor main deck with four bir- like four birds and four hearts. Right, right, right. And it's super powerful in response to a fetch land. Yeah. Early on. Um, and it's like a two-one flyer. It's like, it's just cards like this. They need to. They just need to print more of cards like this. Disruptive, <laughs> disruptive cards that are you know a flying body. Like it's sort of well the 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 hate birds. The there's the new one also Hushwing Griff, which yeah. uh, will. It, it's not on my my top ten list, but it, it will be brought up because the Twitter question someone answered with Hushwing Griff. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely it's, it's, it's the Torpor Orb. With it's wings, like a cool. Right? Yeah, it's a cool archetype of card that I would love to see more printing of. Yeah, I think it's because it just makes. It makes, in a format like Modern, it makes it more possible to play creature decks. Right. And, and we've talked about before, in the format right now, as many ways to kind of make it so mana bases are more diverse and make it they're a risk to be playing fetch lands are better. Right. Like, I've argued for Stifle, and this is basically Stifle with legs yep. in many ways. Um, okay, so number four, Jimmy Wong. We're now in the top four, guys, so these are when we the cards get super We have entered the top four. That's right. So my four was a split between Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile. Yeah. Uh, both very similar, uh, both incredibly good. And in EDH, their downsides are even, I guess, more insignificant than they normally would be. Um, right. Because I, I could see some of these effects actually being, ha- have, being pretty relevant in a 1v1 game with 20 life. But in EDH, it's just like it gets rid of the most powerful thing. Almost right, right. always. In, in EDH, uh, uh, the format is all about recursing things, and the ability to stop someone from being able to recur their single target is really important. What's yeah, uh, exactly. what was the other card for? Uh, for Josh, it would be straight up Armageddon, destroy all lands. Yeah, it's a good card. Pretty yeah. good. Yep. Pretty good. And of course, the power level just goes up, 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 up when you have so many crazy non basics and so many wacky things happening in EDH that something like it's that is It's so truly surprising because Josh is has gone on the record multiple times about how Blood Moon is his like oh, his card. Least like he's yeah. least favorite card and he hates anyone who plays Blood Moon and will from that point on want to murder them in the table from that point, like period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's yep. like, Armageddon's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I think it, it's interesting. But, uh, okay, moving on. Um, what do you guys got? Number four for me, Elsbeth Knight Errant. This is the ah, Planeswalker, yes. Elsbeth, the first one. Wait, uh, this means that one of my top four is not going to be on your list? Apparently. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> so she is a Planeswalker. She costs four mana. She uh, has two plus abilities. She's the first one to ever have two plus abilities. She yeah. either makes a token or shoots a guy. He gives plus three, plus three from flying. Uh, and those are her two abilities. And then when she ultimates, she makes everything indestructible. She's like a mini Avacyn, as we just explained uh, on her on her end step. So interesting. She's pretty great. I, the endingness. I thought about putting Elspeth on my top ten, but what I realized at the end of it was just like, as powerful as I think that this card is, it's very rare that it actually sees play in decks, and it comes down on turn four without disrupting your opponent. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to justify playing it because ultimately you what you sort of really want out of Elspeth is kind of what you get out of Lingering Souls to some degree. I mean, that's sort of the reason people play Lingering Souls. Right. I, I think she's much better in Zoo decks 
and aggro decks as, be, end, as, right, as the yeah. top end of like I need to get in there with they have a Tarmogoy for a Rhino in the way I just need to like like the jump ability yeah. is more important to me almost than like the tokens are nice because it protects yourself and that's the key to a good Planeswalker is some way to protect them but in reality the more important ability with her in Modern is the ability just to like yeah top your curve top your curve I need to win I need to some way to get around coddle. yeah yeah yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's just that this Plus, is not... like, her and Geist the same draft? Yeah. Is bonkers. <laughs> this, this is not the argument that I was making against Gideon. Gideon is, is like, the real... It uh, doesn't make, like... But this is actually super powerful, and I, I could justify putting this into a build. Like, I've built it into decks of mine. Before. Right, right. Um, I just... I was just sort of trying to figure out, like, its place in modern, and it just doesn't feel like it has much of one of its I think goals. part of that is just Zoo isn't that... Gr- Zoo is waning currently but once it starts waxing wait wait till my delver zoo yeah yeah all right (laughs) what's your number number four uh wall of omens wall of omens i love wall of omens yeah so you were asking if probably one of your top three cards is on my list wall of omens is it on my list i completely just blanked on it (laughs) that's it's funny too because you love that card uh so i guess the arguments against wall of omens is it needs other pieces to be as powerful as you want it to be and on the ground threats in modern aren't that are lower than a four drop or four four power are pretty small like most threats in modern are flying creatures or they're like Tarmogoyf, which is a five four or five six or you know rhino which is a five six Mere or superior's a five yeah. six right right, right. Mere <laughs> superior's the card everyone's worried about uh like affinity all flyers in fact, all flyers are unblockable. So, like, it, it definitely runs into that issue as a limitation. I think Wall of Omens was way, way better when Bloodbraid Elf was in the format because it was kind of like your answer to Bloodbraid Elf. They got advantage of their Bloodbraid Elf, but your 0-4 wall cancels out their advantage. advantage. And it's also pretty good against uh, Liliana the Veil. So Jun decks being good in the format means that this is good in the format. And if they unban Bloodbraid Elf, I'd be willing to see it kind of come back. But uh, why is it great? I think it's great for a couple of reasons. I think, um, number one, the decks that will give you the most trouble if you're unprepared are aggro decks. So, like a mono-red deck or an affinity deck, if you go into a tournament, somebody really just wants to... I mean, our, our good friend Andrew Brown, friend of the podcast, he uh, he veers towards aggro decks in this format because he feels like it's very, very difficult to prepare with your sideboard and be ready in the it's, format. So right. if you want to just, just take a battle axe with you and just crush... You just take a really aggressive deck. And I think a lot of good players have that same attitude. It's easier to be aggressive in modern than it is to be reactive. So if you're a good player and you can sequence your turns correctly, uh, then you can win. And, and so I think this card's great because it's not... It's great in a lot of the same ways that Spellscape's great, but... <laughs> <laughs> card advantage in a 0-4 that blocks things. Uh, I do think it's better now than it probably has been in the past moderns yeah. because of Burn. Yeah. Uh, just being mm-hmm. a deck in the format. And it definitely is a brick wall to burn. And being good against burn is a, like you had Ariok Champion on your top 10. And yeah. one of the reasons it's good generally is just burn. And so being a good catch all answer in against burn that is also okay against everything because at worst it cycles. Yeah. And at worst it's like your Liliana can't get rid of it. Or like the, the, the fact that Pod also isn't in the format also helps you a lot. Right. Because Birthing Pod was definitely just. Oh, I don't care. You have a zero form. I'm just going to go around you with my, like, infinite amount of creatures and card advantage. There's also, like, really, really cool deck design space that exists with this card that you've seen people take advantage of. Like, when people were playing those those really, really cool... Um, Kiki-Jiki, the, the, yeah, the Kiki. blue-white-red Kiki-Jiki list, yeah. where, like, you splinter twin on a wall of omens, and yeah. you just, like... draw cards. Yeah. That was really cool. Right, like, right. You can do some really Those decks are still stuff. probably playable. Like, I would, yeah. I would imagine them making a comeback so i'm just gonna try to read your mind here alex I'm, okay i'm gonna guess that this card pairs extremely well with your number three nope you're wrong jimmy go it's not your number three <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, my number three, which also lost a little bit of value, but is still very good, is Terminus. Okay. Okay. Love uh, Terminus. Yep. Yeah, you can miracle it, put everything on all creatures on the bottom of their owners' and libraries. It would just house a board, especially when there's five, four or five people playing. Uh, Josh had land tax. So Josh valued land tax much higher than I did. Right. Uh, I, I just put land tax a little behind because, in general, you don't play that many basic land, non basics in EDH. This Fair enough. This Terminus is a whole lot better than the one in Walking Dead. Whammy. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so Terminus, I actually. I think the biggest limitation, because I think Terminus is a very powerful card, and in Legacy, it's like in the most played deck and possibly the best deck, and as a four of. The problem with Modern is there aren't good Brainstorm-like effects or Ponder-like effects or Jace and so or Top, so there's not uh-huh. good ways to set up Miracles very well, so they become a little bit more swingy. I actually think, though, that Terminus probably, if there becomes a much more creature-on-the-board archetype, that's dominant, it could probably take another good looking at. It depends how much better it is than Wrath of God, or worse it is, and how much the swinginess of having to get the six mana really affects the, right, the matchup. Right, right. Like, at least in Modern, or in Legacy, you have, like, ten different ways to kind of get it back on top of your deck, where, like, in Modern, there's only modern one card that can ways, kind yeah. of maybe set it up, possibly. It's also interesting, because, I mean, I feel like if you are able to resolve Terminus and you do put a lot of cards on the bottom of their library, doesn't, making, doesn't it make their ability to fetch, uh, use a fetch land just way more complicated? Because now they have to figure out, like, okay, well, I know the top, the bottom five cards in my library, and I don't want to draw any of those now, so if I fetch, then my chances of getting my out are even worse, etc., that is something to keep in consideration. Like, there's definitely times where you shouldn't fetch if you know, like, I don't want the cards on my bottom. But more often than not, it's more like, oh, I want I want that Tarmogoyf back. I should shuffle. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you're Terminusing, it's probably meaning that there's something you want to get rid of, which means they probably want to keep it around. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, unless you're playing against, like, a deck that's like, all oh, birds of paradise, and you just kind of got rid of some of their mana, and that could be a different <laughs> conversation. But I don't, I don't think that's – you shouldn't keep that into account – I'd rather maybe draw birds and have a mana in play than not have mana. <laughs> right. That makes um, sense. So my number three is Lingering Souls. Hmm. Lingering Souls at yeah. three. It lost one point maybe because it's kind of a black card also and originally wasn't even on the list because it's like, I don't know if I can include this. But I do think it is one of the most powerful cards in the format. It's my number two. It's your number two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. We can talk about it. Uh, it's really good. For those who don't know, it's one white, two colorless to put two one one tokens in the play. But then you can also flash it back from the graveyard, which means you can cast it from the graveyard for one black and a colorless. So it can total about four, ma- four threats. When you're playing Lily on the Veil, you can discard it and kind of like draw half a card instead of discarding a card with Liana, which is really good. Um, though that's more of a black card at that point. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's it's definitely the main back between Abzan decks, and the reason Abzan is probably the most played version of Black Green X decks, and as well token decks in general. It's really funny to think that this card has been legal for years, but it really only picked up Steam as a big-time threat in the format when those Jun decks switched over to being... To playing souls it like that that was like i remember that switch yeah but that was also that was within the first six months of the format existing like that that first pro tour where jun dominated was like after like the combo you like yeah. fall when modern was first created right so like once zoo was gone then jun became the best thing on the planet and they put lingering like that's when they like as soon as people realized that they started playing lingering souls and then that's when uh thunder uh thunder Ma, Hellkite. Hellkite started seeing play because it eats Lingering Soul. I know. And it became I, this, like, 
pseudo cold war of people used one to, one tokens. Yeah, for the three drop and the like the value three drop in those decks, people used to be like, is it is it Finks or Jarl's Messenger? I don't remember. Yeah, what yeah. Like it's like now it's just like Souls is the best three drop. Right. That's by like one. a wide margin. Well, uh-huh. and and part of that is I think the realization of how great Liliana the Avel is and how great Lingering Souls is with it and against it. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Their relationship, and especially since they came from the same block, is one of the most interesting magic card relationships, I think, in yeah. the game. Because it's like it's up there with like Lightning Bolt and Snapcaster Mage almost, where it's like they combo so well together, but they're also like the best answers to each other. Right. Um so yeah, my that was my number three. So that was your number two. What was your number three? Restoration Angel. Which is my number Resto, two. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think I gave Resto maybe a little extra points. It is possible Lingering Souls is better because I just have a deep, deep, deep love for Restoration Angel. Yeah. Um, I do think that it does one of the more interesting things between the two cards. Um, and I do think like cards like Wall of Omens get much better. Yeah. Cards like Blade Splicer, which I don't have anywhere on my list, get much better. Started seeing a little more play recently. And it's starting to see a lot of play. And it's a combo. It does do combo stuff with Kiki Jiki and like other cards. So it has a lot of interesting things that it does. Right. Um, and it's like bonkers because it's a flash three four flyer. I mean, we've talked about Restoration Angel before. It's probably on my list of like top five cards ever, and which is why I gave it a higher rating than maybe <laughs> Lingering Souls. It's a great yep. card. I mean, it, like we talked about how well it pairs with Kiki Jiki. We talked about how well it pairs with Wall of Omens. It's funny because when it came out. You and I had a bunch of conversations about it that were just like, this card seems like it's going to be really good. You bought a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um, but it was like, everybody was really focused on the the, the uh, Flicker ability. Right. Instead of the fact that it's Like, Flicker just... can't be... I mean, it'll be okay. Like, Flicker Wisp saw some play, but you're like, no, 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 no. Well, it was <laughs> Flash, just... baby. Come on. <laughs> the 3-4 yeah. Angel for Flash at 4 mana is just was unheard of beforehand, and now it, like, also gets value. <laughs> yeah, nobody was just like... Oh wait a minute! It's a flyer that has four toughness, that has flash. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. actually it's interesting. As I was looking through uh, the database today, white cards and making this list, something came to mind is that nobody has tried playing a flash deck with Advent of the Worm in modern yet. And oh 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 uh, no, that's seen play. It eats Siege Rhino. Yeah yeah. And it, does. Uh, it seems pretty good to me. I don't right. know. Well, so like one of the reasons I like Restoration Angel is. And we've talked about this before, but there are, there are really three limitations to modern as a format uh, when playing a card and considering a card. Abrupt Decay, yep. Lightning Bolt, and Splinter Twin, which are, can, is this a threat that if I tap for it, I lose? Is this going to die to the most played removal spells? And Restoration Angel passes all three of those tests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, it comes into play, and the end of your opponent's turn, so them Splinter Twinning, you can respond to their Splinter Twin instead of playing it. It and is abrupt decay and lightning <laughs> bolt proof. Not to mention it also, also can save one of your other threats from lightning bolt or abrupt decay. Yeah. It's so very, very powerful. It's definitely card. an awesome card. Jimmy, what was your number two? My number two was Linvala, Keeper of Silence. Uh, Former. Because I think, yeah, I mean, activated abilities are abundant in EDH. And I think this is, I mean, it's also a four mana, three, four without flash in this case. Uh, but I, I think this just has more far reaching effects than the Resto Angel would. Restoration Angel made our honorable mentions list, but in EDH, you're usually using it to build around that card. You know, the flicker ability by itself is great, but unless your deck has multiple ways of really abusing it, then it's just an okay angel, you know? Right. He's a former modern, uh, like, silver bullet in pod decks. Yeah, so, like, uh-huh. Ball is probably the one card that, if this list was made six months ago, would have been much, much, much higher than, versus not on any of the lists at all. And right. that's, I mean, part of it is We just made like... our list back in January as well, so it right, was... Right, right, right. I mean, that's why we still have Terminus and Oblation and stuff on it. Well, yeah, and, and if you look at, I mean, modern Birthing Pot existed, and Limvala was one of the best cards in the format at that point. But now 
it's decent, but it's not nearly as strong as it used to be. And now it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, a beater that might get you value versus like an important piece of one of the most powerful decks. Right, right. Um, so before we get to number one, I'm, I'm guessing none of you guys on the internet can guess what number one is. There's no <laughs> way. We're going to do our honorable mentions. These are the cards that could have made it, but wouldn't have made it. Um, we only right. actually have five, so bef- this is the first time we're doing this, but we met ahead of time and, we'll do, and figured it out separately. We'll do quick explanations of each one. Yeah, Sorry. quick explanations. Tell me what they do, why they're important, and move on. Uh, so number one of the honorable mentions is Thalia, Guardian of Thraven. This is the 2-1 first striking creature for two. Uh, that uh, opponent's... Spells or all spells non-creature cost spells. non-creature spells cost one more mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good. It's a, it's a hate bears creature. It's, it's you play in zoo and hate bears. It's like relatively efficient. I think it gets hurt by the fact that like lightning bolts just everywhere. Right. And like yeah. stuff like and, and more so the same reason kind of Bob has fallen out of favor in general in modern is there's a lot of ways to kill one toughness creatures that like you also gain value from the player. Just gets electrolyzed. Um and it's like a Tarmogoy face format, so it gets kind of outclassed pretty quickly by the things that it's not able to hate out. Right. Um number two, Archangel of Thoon. This is the other Birthing Pod Angel target. Combo piece. Combo piece. Spice this just theater. saw a lot of play recently. It's still seeing play because it's part of that combo, and it kind of can just do really well in collected company decks. Right. Um, it is a five drop, and it only sees play in that one deck, but it definitely is very strong in that deck. Can't You can't get it with collected company, though. True, but you that's, they play four of it, and then they just get the other pieces of the combo with collected company. They probably company. play like at least one Congregation at Dawn as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. uh, Number three, Martyr Sands. We've talked about a lot of other pieces to the Soul Sisters deck. This is kind of the back. Like, Martyr is the real piece of that deck that's important. It's a 1-1 one, one for one white that states one colorless and sacrifice it. Reveal X white cards from your hand and gain three times that much life. Yeah, so it gains a crap ton of life real quick. You can gain, like, 12 life on turn two pretty easily. And then yeah, exactly so it's, it's really good. Uh, next, uh... Apostle's Blessing. I think you put this on the elementary list. So I'm going to let you talk about it. Yeah, Blessing is is really interesting. So I, I've talked a lot. I talked earlier today about Postmortem Lunge, about the Phyrexian Mana cards. And they're, they're a hole in, the fo- in, in like sort of magic design. And also, when brewers, when they're thinking about using these cards, they don't really often think about using some of the less utilized ones. This card sees play in, uh, definitely sees play in Infect. That's the biggest place that it'll see play. But it's, it's great because it can go in any deck. Uh, it essentially costs one colorless to make your creature unblockable or protect it. Uh, that's the nature of protection as an ability, as well as the fact you can target an artifact. So if you have, like, a piece of a combo, if you're trying to, say, like, Minecrank Duskmantle Guildmage combo or something like that, and you need mm. to protect your Minecrank, uh, there's not that many cards that do it for one colorless at instant speed. Right. I mean, the, the it sees a lot of play in effect. Beyond that, it's a card that should be kept in consideration if you're like, I need to protect my creatures from Exactly. Stuff. Or I just need to protect my right. combo. Because it yeah, protects yeah. almost everything. Right. And, and it's great against Abrupt Decay. Yeah. Splinter 20, I think, has seen, it has seen play in Splinter yeah. 20 in the past. Exactly. Um, And the last honorable mentions is... I don't know what's getting a drum roll because the real drum roll will be next, but Rebel Arc. Oh, we had, we had Rebel Arc on our honorable mentions as well. Love yeah. Rebel Arc. It's a 4-3 flying. When it leaves play, you can return two creatures with two or less power from the graveyard to play. Or is it's it? pretty good. Yeah, and it's just really good. It's it's a lot of play. It, brings, it, was, it just brings a lot of things back. Yeah. Especially um, if those have entered the battlefield effects. Oh, my gosh. Right. I, I, I had... F- Glenn actually used to say this, that like it was the major inevitability part of Birthing Pod. And the reason right. that deck, one of the reasons that deck was so strong was that this card existed because no matter what, you could get the cards that they answered back, mm-hmm. always pretty easily. Uh, also great with Restoration Angel. Just saying, 
Right. So right. last we, but not uh, least. Well, I mean, oh. for our honorable mentions, we, oh, we yeah. threw on Monastery Mentor because we didn't know where that card was going to end up. Um, okay, it's fair. It still hasn't um, kind of. It's it's like it's the best around. card in Vintage, but it hasn't seen a lot of play in Modern yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we also had uh, Rest in Peace as one of our definite top. Right, we have on that Graveyard Hate in Modern ends up not being as important, partly because there just hasn't been a great, great graveyard deck. And yeah. Uh, scavenging ooze is just stronger in modern because it's not you don't need as much of a blanket answer you just kind of need like even like the deck that plays it the most is the deck you'd think would want to have it against themselves which is like you would think that um living index wouldn't want rest in peace played against them but they actually end up playing it or being fine with it because it makes their board wipe just that much better right now they have instant speed three mana board wipes versus reanimation spells and that's still pretty bonkers <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a couple of other big ones were iona of course shield of amiria but that falls in the same category as avacyn as in you guys will never just really honestly play that realistically uh, iona sees more play than avacyn because just because she does something when she hits well it's the board. also very very good against burn in reanimation decks so like instead of elishnorn they do that and then they lock out their opponent like you burn literally right. can't beat it Versus the old gifts decks, the old gifts Tron decks would just literally play like one of each. They play yeah. one Elishnorn and one Iona because um, like some decks get completely destroyed by Elishnorn and some decks get completely destroyed by Iona. It's also mm-hmm. weird. Uh, I, I've made this mistake once in the tournament. It, her ability is not uh, an, as it enters the battlefield triggered ability. It's it, what you choose it when it's coming into play. You choose it when it's coming into play. So if you're playing against it, you're inexperienced with it. You may wait. You, you'll say the color and you'll try to respond to it by like burning them or playing a spell. And uh, I tried that once, and he's like, no, you, you can't play that spell anymore. You already said, okay, it resolves. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I learned my lesson. Um, all right, so, drum roll, Jimmy, would you like to do the announcer voice for the first? And you've heard the top ten. We've gone all the way from ten to two, and you heard what almost made the list. But now we've got the one and only number one pick. I don't know what the song was. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead with my picks first. Um, <laughs> and I have a feeling that this pick is, uh, not going to be on your guys' list. <laughs> it would be if it was legal. I know what If it was legal. Uh, it, for me, it was Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. So sweet. One of my favorite yeah. cards. Another one of my favorite. I guess I like white more than I let on, but yep. Not legal. Yeah, and and Josh banned. liked, uh, Terminus, uh, for number one. D- 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 Josh didn't have Stoneforge Mystic on his list at all. He didn't, and I think it was. I mean, usually when we uh, make these lists, we try and keep all the cards under twenty, twenty-five dollars. Oh, okay. So you're not like sort of, moat, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think Stoneforge was kind of on the uh, the brink Got of it. that price range. But yeah, Stoneforge was my number one because the card is freaking dope. So right. If Stone, let's just say hypothetically they were to unban Stoneforge, they never will. But let's just say they <laughs> did in Modern. Would blue white red become the best deck immediately? Blue white, like a blue white red Delver deck. Um, no, not even. Just blue, white, red as it stands, except you just play Stoneforge and Batterskull, and that's right. just what you, you do you, on turn it, it, it plays how... Stoneblade. Stoneblade yeah. becomes the best deck. Where, right. um, yeah. I think it becomes a tier one deck. I, I don't... I kind of want to know how much better she is than Tarmogoyf. Uh, I think when you can... I know uh, she's much better. I do think she's better, and I do think Batterskull is a much more dangerous threat than Tarmogoyf, but Tarmogoyf brick walls 
Batter Skull. I mean, they are gaining life and you still have to deal with it. But this is also a format where like Siege Rhino, the problem is, is I actually don't think Blue White Red becomes the best deck. I think just Abzan becomes the best deck. Oh, you just put it in Abzan. Yeah, you just play oh, Tarmogoyf God. with Siege Rhino with Stoneforge Mystic. I don't know how you beat that deck. Because <laughs> those guys already play a Batter Skull. Yeah. Like usually one in the main or in the side. Right. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Yeah, awful. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish it yeah. wasn't too powerful. I kind of wish Batter Skull didn't exist because I think like a Cobblade like deck where you're getting the green black equipment. Sword seems really cool, but nope, that'll never happen. All right, so number one, the best of, white card. It's kind of anticlimactic because Jimmy also kind of stole the thunder earlier, and I was trying to pass it under the bridge. Aha. Path, path to exile, the second most played removal spell, third most played, top three most played removal spell. It's one of the most important cards in the format. Yeah, it, it's like the answer to all the things that are like, oh, but it, like, I honestly think Lightning Bolt is a weird card because it forces cards that Lightning Bolt are good against to not be played, meaning it's not as good as it normally would be. Like, if you came up to a tournament that no one expected Lightning Bolt and were playing Lightning Bolts, it would be the most, it would be the best card in the format. But because everyone's like, well, I'm not going to play X3s. Right. So, like, it's just not as good. Yeah. Versus Path, which is just like, oh, you have a thing I don't want to live through? Okay, it's gone now. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that is really interesting. Um, it's... Is answers Sea Dryo, answers Goy, answers everything. Just everything. I think they knew when they were making the format. I think they knew sort of like, okay. Like, it's important that Path is in the format. They want to, th they want, like, Swords of Plowshare would be too good, but right. Path allows them to have kind of the answer they're looking for. Yeah, Path, and Path is, it plays, it's one of those cards that plays so well in terms of the, uh, the balance of the format because of the, the small number of basic lands that actually get played. Yeah, so it encourages you to play more basic lands. It also has a weird interaction with Mana Leak, so white-blue decks aren't as bonkers as they maybe could be because it actively works against your other card. Like, Path and Mana Leak are bad with each other. Though mm -hmm. Path and Snapcaster Mage is still really good, so there's definitely interesting choices. And I think it's one of the reasons I like Romand better than Mana Leak in the format. Yeah, well, it just draws you a card. Drawing cards at instant speed magic. Yeah, it's, it's like great. The it's the greatest happen. feeling ever. Uh, cool. So that is that is the top ten modern cards. We both had Path. I don't know if you guys figured that out. Yeah. but it's, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty. Clearly. It was, it, it was like the easiest. I think Restoration and Lingering Souls and where they kind of placed was definitely an interesting conversation and the fact that you didn't have Elsbeth on your list. There's, I like was pretty confident on my top four and then like you like didn't have Restoration Angel or uh, Elsbeth. I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, I asked you and deleted it like immediately just right before we started. I know, I know. And the only reason I did was like I said, it just, does, it just doesn't feel like a card that defines modern in the way that some of the others do. But then again, you can make the argument for like Siege Rhino and like it's the same thing. It's just a yeah. really powerful four drop. Yeah. Siege Rhino sees a ton of plays. So. Right. With an immediate, like an immediate effect. Like, yeah. And it does kind of the same thing Siege Rhino does. It's just, in, instead of gaining you through life, I guess it just does six, yeah. kind of, like, theoretically. Um, all right, so I asked you guys on Twitter before we started recording a question, and that question was, which white cards that are really cool don't see enough play in modern than you wish would see more play? So I'm going to go through some of the people that answered, and we're going to hear what they thought. Uh, first is Craig. That, he's just Craig. Uh, his uh, Twitter is at 3 Soup. He oh, said, I thought it was Craig Blanchett for a second. I, was I like, know. Craig plays modern? Whoa. I know. It would be crazy. Uh, he kind of cheated. He put Glittering Wish, which is a gold card. No, no gold cards. Cheater. There were, uh, of, there, were, there, were, there were a lot of gold cards on It was indeed a wish. Yeah. Did you, did you not notice that Kitchen Finks didn't show up? Yeah. And that's more white than gold, Glittering Wishes. Yeah, it's true. That is technically a gold card. This is a racist When I was list. reorganizing my binder as I was looking at all the uh, hybrid mana symbols for EDH, I was like, those are technically gold cards. Oh, all right. Right. Uh, Riley Jones at Chess Hazard, uh, Tallow Wisp. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. That was because well, Talos was part of that old the, the heart the heartbeat of spring deck. I think. Yeah, or, yeah. Unless I'm mixing things up here. Talos, I think, is the card that lets you search for uh, an, an aura. Uh, yeah, Talos. One white, one colors for one three spirit. Whenever you play a spirit or arcane spell, you may search your library for an enchant creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand if you do shuffle your library. Uh, I, there's some interaction that I'm just like totally blanking on here that makes this card sweet. Okay. Yeah, uh, no, I, I mean, it's not, anytime there's a repeatable tutor effect, you're obviously doing something interesting. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I I can imagine seeing more play oh, if there's the right engine. Whenever you play a spirit, it's that's so you just ignore the arcane, but the spirit in terms yeah, of spirit yeah, yeah. creatures. Uh you play a spirit creature and you search for an aura right. and, and then it gets awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Merlin. Nice. Some guys have great names. I'm gonna just single syllables, but his Twitter is at Durcock XXL. Oh yes, Merlin. He listens to the command zone as well. He won a prize off of us. Oh and nice. Coke, because it is German, I believe. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh Grand Abolisher and Hushwing Griffin. Yes. Ah, Hushwing yes. Hushwing Griff. Yeah, we talked about that. That was another one of our honorable mentions just because it, it does Torpor Aura, yeah. but with a creature instead. It, it kind of is an Aven Mind Sensor. I mentioned it earlier in this cast even where it's like a 2-1 Flash Flyer, which are like the hate birds yeah. versus the hate bears. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> nice. uh, Hushwing Griff is, is definitely a card that I like to see more play. I think it's better now with all of the randos running around that there are more end of the battlefield effects and it just shuts down Twin. Yeah, it's really good. I just remembered with Talos what makes it so sweet. Guess what? Three drop creatures of spirit. Geist, Geist of Saint Trap. So you go Talos, ah. then you play Geist, Geist and, and then you, you get search like for angelic destiny yeah. or like something absurd. And, oh, angelic. I mean, then you, yeah, that makes me really happy. I'm just we, gonna build that deck tomorrow. You don't remember you and I were talking about that deck at one point, the the blue white uh, hexproofy deck that played um, Steel of the Godhead. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Geist and Steel of the Godhead, and you slap Steel of the Godhead onto a Geist, and then it becomes a four four. Uh, unblockable, indestructible, hexproof, hex lifelink creature. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about building your own Bane Slayer. What we're talking about building your own Bane Slayer. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Grand Abolisher for those who don't know, white, white. It makes it so people can't play spells on other people's turns. I think the only reason this card doesn't see that much play is that counter spells aren't good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like and the, like, I guess it kind of shuts down Twin a little bit, but then they could also just play Do it and win. Else. Yeah, yeah. Um. Do, 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 do. Glenn Jones. Glenn. Glenn Jones. The previous friend of the podcast said Celestial Colonnade and Restoration Angel. I think he's saucy because Blue White Red isn't really good anymore. <laughs> or isn't uh, seeing yeah, a lot no of play at the moment. For him, he yeah. um, well, he was trying to make it happen with Cruz, right? And oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was good before the ban, and then and then we're just it, it's a worse matchup is junk because they're right. all the value. Uh, Rum Titan did... Gideon draw. I actually got some, a few Gideons. I got like three of them. I'm gonna get panned on this. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm gonna say some of the names. Rum Titan, who's Mr. Blades at Mr. Blades. <laughs> um, do 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 do. Ka- Katie Neal, who is at Katie N underscore fourteen, also said Gideon and mentioned that he's their homeboy. Gideon's a pretty cool, dude. Yep, yep, yep. One indestructible um, human. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely is. Uh, a cool interaction that was brought up was the fact that you can play Gideon, attack with him, rest a angel, and then plus him so that you get two triggers off the Gideon, deal the six, and get to protect yourself. Just, wow. Just say, yeah, he's pretty good. Pretty that good card. Pretty good. Ben. Steven Ledger, the last one, last but not least, at Sledger says... Uh, he mentioned Brimaz and Seance. Mm. So Brimaz, I think, does see a little play in token decks. It's Brimaz, the, the three drop. it's the three drop, the one cat. white white cat 
three four that when it attacks and blocks, you put a one one creature into play. Yeah, vigilance. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I think now the conversation is is Brimaz or um the new card that uh we just mentioned it makes tokens from oh oh monastery mentor. monastery mentor like which one's probably better and depends what the deck's trying to do and how many sorceries and instants you have blah 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 blah. Um, and then Seance, which I think is like a kind of it's an interesting card. It's a junk rare. From so you remove all the creatures and you bring them all back. From Dark Ascension, I think. Where yeah, you remove their cards in your graveyard and you can blink one. You kind of blink it into play for a turn. Blink it into play for a turn. So like you you put a I think you reanimate it. Yeah. And it can't attack. It doesn't have haste. It just comes into play for a turn and then you you exile it at the end of turn. Okay, that sounds familiar. So like theoretically, the idea is that you like gain. It's kind of like reverse birthing pod where you gain advantage off of creatures that have died already from their right. death triggers. It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm down. I'm down for a seance deck. We've talked about more ridiculous cards than that before. Um, so Ben, as Ben was mentioning, we last week oh, said wow. that we got we we hit our number. Yeah, we hit our number. We got our ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our tenth. No, we're twenty. We were going for twenty. Oh, we didn't hit it then. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Are you oh, sure? we got twenty stars, but you have to comment. Stars don't count. I thought that we were going for ten. No, it's twenty because I said seventeen is a weird number. Okay, well, you should listen. We to were at 12. Sure. We were at 12 when we we asked everyone. Because Bachwitz, wait, Bachwiz, is that? That's Austin That's Austin Bach. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nope, didn't didn't work out. Uh, so still, that's still up the grabs. The the 20th person, I think there are how many right now? 20. 20 oh, there are 20. 20 total. 20 total reviews that we have right yeah, now. See, I just want to say, we have to go back and listen to what we said last No, week. I know exactly what we said. I'm <laughs> saying, how much do we have, uh, how many reviews are there right now? Since like May fourth, we have ten since May fourth. That was how many total point. do we have? What is the total number? Twenty. Twenty. The okay. So the twentieth person. Oh, it is Austin. So Austin gets the packs. Yeah. <laughs> that was the rule. Oh, he sneak. You sneak. You guys. You guys failed. You have to do better next time. All right. To make sure. Austin to to make it better, we'll, we'll we'll give it to the next person. We'll also get a, get a random pack because we know the person who got it. So bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Austin a mean text right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Thanks, guys. We um, will send you the pack. The 21st person. You heard it here now. And then I think actually what I want to do is I'm going to send a pack to every 10th reviewer. I like that. Yeah. So every every time someone hits that 10 mark, so the 30th, the 40th, they will get a pack and in the middle. And you can be guaranteed, by the way, they will not be like a, like a corset current pack or any pack that you can just be buying at your retail store. It'll be something cooler. It will It will be a non-standard pack. Yeah. How about that? It'll be a weirder, older, cooler pack. All right, Modern so, Masters pack. You guys are so nice. Wow, that's possible. so cool. I think that's we'll buy. Great. I think we'll probably buy like ten. So like between now and the hundredth, and it'll be grab bag. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah awesome. That way. That way we don't have to pick favorites. We love all of you guys. You fan people. Equally. So bringing that up, as we mentioned before, please rate us on iTunes. That's how you get packs. That's this whole this whole exercise is about getting more I'm ratings go on do iTunes. That. Right now, Jimmy's gonna. I'm, I'm disappointed that you haven't already. I read into your <laughs> podcast, and I didn't really. Win anything. Oh no, Jimmy's I've been a guest on your podcast he's multiple times. He's literally doing it right now so he can get a modern master. <laughs> I know, right? I heard you guys are giving away those sweet MM packs, man. I'm um, also, follow us on Twitter. We love when we interact with you guys. We will respond when we have witty things to respond with, and sometimes we'll respond with non-witty things. Uh, we are at the MM Cast. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. Uh, and Jimmy, Jimmy loves Periscope. Get on the train, right, Jimmy? <laughs>
No. Nope. Uh, I am <laughs> at JF Wong. Right. And you Very have, simple. and we mentioned it before because it was kind of thematically this whole thing. You're on the command zone. You're one of the hosts of the command zone. Correctamundo. Command people... zone. We are a commander centric podcast. Myself and Josh Lee Kwai. We sort of tackle all aspects. We do top 10 lists. We also do tons of giveaways. We do dragon themed weeks. We do, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. We talk about the politics of the table. We talk about tricks and tips. And we, tra- we try and cover everything commander wise. And, and we go from cat casual too spiky so we try and get a little bit of everything going cool 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 cool. all right and i think that's oh the question for the week please answer and this is how we know you listen to the very end uh uh-huh. what card spoiled so far from modern masters are you most excited about i am personally most excited about full mana mages it's oh. kept me out of playing a few decks that i want to play and now i'll be able to play them well, maybe it's super sweet. I'm actually just excited that I'm going to have a chance to get more cryptic commands because I still don't have my cryptic commands. Oh, yeah. so I just use yours. Right. Yeah. Well, my issue right now is like I have four, but one of them is the foil one I keep in my Geist EVH deck. So it'd be nice to not have to, you know, gut that deck every time I need a card. Big time. To play I'd love to finally get a couple more Karns for my EDH deck. Oh, as yeah. As well as Tezzeret, who is one of the most baller planeswalkers of all time. Yeah, he's sweet. He's, I'm, big, I'm awesome. a big Tezzeret fan. Love Tezzeret. Yeah, he's <laughs> super cool. All right. Dude. So remember to tweet at us, at the MMCast. Thank you. I've been your host, Alex Kessler. Ben Bateman. And Jimmy Wong. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yep, see you soon. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.